in these final moments here today, there's a word that the Lord put on my heart to share with you. Obviously, this service has gone a completely different way than expected, but there is, but actually, it, at the same time, it confirmed. And not knowing that we would have meet new brothers and sisters, we thought it would just be our usual bunch. <laughs> We're so glad, and we just see this as a move of God, and I'm assured even more uh, that God set this up. Uh, earlier this year, my wife and I were uh, walking out of Giant, doing some shopping, and as we were on our way out, we came across the path of a young man. He recognized us, but we didn't recognize him right away, and you guys know how that is when somebody starts talking to you, and you're trying to figure out... Where do I know you from? You know, is it at school? Is it at work? Is it at church? And finally, we made the connection. And he was uh, talking about how hard things were for him. He had felt called of the Lord uh, to be working in ministry in Harrisburg. And just everything was going wrong. He started a business. Business was failing. Ministry wasn't working out. Bills. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nothing is going according to what you thought. Uh, you know, God, you called me, so why is it this work? He said, I've been fasting, praying, I've been tithing, giving offerings, all the things that everybody said that you're supposed to do, and there has been no breakthrough. So, uh, my wife and I believe in being very transparent. Uh, and so we told him about a little bit about our journey here. And I'm going to tell you even some of the things that I didn't share with him, but I want to share it with you. I'm, after a tremendous ministry in St. Louis, 17 years, inner city ministry, 700 members, 1,000 people coming per week. Uh, actually seeing people get saved. Our church didn't grow by what's called transfer growth. It didn't grow by people just coming from other churches to ours. We actually hit the streets. Amen. We set up in the in the neighborhood park, and we would go forth with praise and worship and dance and rap and all this stuff. Because the thing is, the thing about us, even for us, we were youth pastors for a period of time. And the young people that came into our youth ministry didn't come from other churches. They came from the street. And so we didn't have a bunch of Christian young people trying to do rap in order to be like the world. We were getting kids straight from the world who rap was all they knew. And so we didn't try to make them do choir music because that was foreign to them. So we let them express their testimonies in rap form. Thanks. Thanks. God, why are you taking me this way? There was this one young lady, can't believe I'm even thinking about her. She wrote a rap called I Ain't What I Used To Be. She said, I'm, I'm still a dope dealer, got the mind of a killer. I'm, I said, yes, I was once a dope dealer, had the mind of a killer. But through the Lord, my heart's renewed. And now I can tell you, I ain't what I used to be. Amen. Amen. Yes, 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 God. Glory to God. 
God got so deep with that rap thing that he even gave us rap. Amen. We didn't want to be in youth ministry. My brother asked us for the first four years of the church to be the youth pastors of the church, and we said no for four years. And God used a prophet that came to our home church, and in the middle of his message, he literally called us out in front of the whole congregation, called us forward and prophesied over us. And part of the word was, God gave him a heart like a teenager, imparted into him. And God did right there in the moment. Just this tremendous heart and love for teenagers. I mean, one of the reasons why I didn't want to be in youth ministry because at that time, that was the 90s, I didn't really care for rap because I told y'all what I liked. I liked for 25. So this whole rap thing, I wasn't feeling that. Electronic drums, electronic instruments. We came from an era where people played piano, bass, drums, guitar, horns, a band. <laughs> so I wasn't feeling it. But God put a rap in us. I would have these dreams and I would hear whole songs in a dream and I'd get up and write down what I heard. So the Lord gave me and my wife this rap from out of Revelation, the fourth chapter that talks about how the great gathering around the throne of God. Mm. Glory to God. Yeah. Mm. And, it's, and it's called Here at Your Feet. It says, in the book of Revelation, John wrote of another nation. Let's take a trip to the heavenlies. You don't believe? Then maybe I can help you see into the realm of eternity. You can't get there by no rocket trip. Don't slip. Space shuttle, that ain't the right equipment. You gotta get down on your knees with me. You pray to reach the throne of grace. Must bow your head to reach this place. In Revelation chapter four, it says there is a door standing open so you can see some more. And then behold, I saw somebody sitting on a throne. He was like a jasper stone. He had a shimmer like a crystal clearance. A rainbow all around by appearance. And from the throne came a sound. And the thunder and the lightning shook the ground. And fire was burning right before the throne. On seven legs, it must be God alone. And four living creatures, each one with six wings, day and night, they do not cease to sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what you see when you get down on your knees. Giant 
it ain't happening. Part of the reason why people have stopped going to church is because, y'all, it ain't happening. It just ain't happening. I'm not getting the results that you said I was supposed to get. And when I tell you that it's not, I'm not getting results, then you blame me and say I don't have any faith. But if I didn't have any faith, I wouldn't be here. That's right. Say that. I came today because I was like the woman with the issue of blood. I came because I had faith. But instead of running into the virtue of Jesus flowing out of the hems of garments, what I ran into was venom. Poison coming out of the lives and the hearts of people that were supposed to be ready to help me. So if you were one of those who've only run into venom instead of virtue, God has a word for you today. And here is the word. Joseph is still alive. For those of you posing that don't know the reference of that story, I want to show it to you. I might need you up here to move the screen. I don't know if you can read that. This is from Genesis 45, verses 25 through 28. It says, Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. It's talking about Jacob's sons. And they told him, told Jacob, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Then Israel, who is Jacob, said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. One of the things that we do here is we make this declaration before we get into the word. So everybody just say this with us if you can see it. I'm going to have to step back a bit. Let's just say this together. Lord, I pray that the word today would find good soil in my heart. I reject the thoughts of offense where the light of your word exposes my sin. I do not take offense. I will change and turn to you, my heavenly Father. I reject condemnation. Your word says that Jesus did not come to condemn people. This word does not come to condemn me, but it comes to heal me. I reject accusation. Satan is the accuser of brothers and sisters, and this word does not come to accuse me or abuse me. This word exposes Satan and his lies, and I choose to believe and receive the truth. God says in his word, blessed are my eyes for they see, and my ears for they hear. 
for many prophets and righteous men desired to see what I see and did not see it, and to hear what I hear and did not hear it. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against or miss the will of God. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word today. Come on, just bow your head right here. Lord, our hearts are open to hear you today. Show us the meaning of what it really is to know that Joseph is still alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm from St. Louis. 
Things really got messed up for uh, Jacob, though. Uh, even after he worked seven years, got the wrong woman, he worked another seven years, got the girl that he wanted. So he really loved her. And in those days, not only did they have wives, but they had maidservants. And they could have children by both the wives and the maidservants. So this man had had 10 kids by Leah and his other two maidservants and never any children by Rachel. So finally, when he had a child by Rachel and she named him Joseph, it was something special. Because I done had a baby by my girl, by the girl I really loved. Man, he, he was so excited about her, about him, that, uh, about uh, Joseph, that he dressed up Joseph in this coat of many colors or tunic. And one thing about this guy, well, I'll just read the story. Because there's, I mean, there's a lot of tragedy in it too. Look at what happened after, after with Rachel. Genesis 35, 16 through 20 says, then they journeyed from Bethel and when there, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephraim, Rachel labored in childbirth and she had hard labor because she got pregnant again with a second child. And it says, now it came to pass, she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear, you will have this son also. And it was so, as her soul was departing, for she died. She died in childbirth. This is his girl, y'all. And she called the baby, she called his name Ben-Oniman, which means son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, which means son of the right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephraim, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Now we'll go all the way up to chapter 37, verse 1 through 4. Now Jacob dwelled in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Interesting that the writer says, this is the history of Jacob. You hear the story of Joseph, but it really is about a lot of times we do that in scripture. We kind of shift the emphasis to something else, but that's really what it's, that's not what it's about. Did you know that what we call the story of the prodigal son isn't about the prodigal son? The, the, the story opens up and it says, a certain man had two sons. It was about the father. It wasn't about either of the boys. It was about the father. And so this is another passage of scripture that's like that. So we go on, we're talking all about what Joseph and Joseph and Potiphar's wife and all that. This is the story of Jacob. And we're going to read it from Jacob's standpoint. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was the son of, the lad was with the sons of Bilal, which was one of the maidservants. So he's with his half-brothers. And the sons of Zilpah, see, that's another one of his. Maybe they were all referred to as his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Nah, I'm going to tell daddy, I saw y'all fooling around. You wouldn't take care of the sheep. You wouldn't do what you were supposed to do. And how many of you know that's not a good idea if you're already daddy's favorite to be going back telling on everybody? <clears throat> 
verse 3. Now Israel, meaning Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Problem. Yeah. How many parents, you know, that's a problem. Yes. I love this boy more than all the rest of them. And imagine how their mothers felt. See, I like putting the Bible in real life. Yeah. Amen. How you think all them, how, how their mothers felt? Amen. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. I can't even talk to you. And if I do talk to you, I got an attitude. Now, I'm not putting no blame on them. The boys think they can't help it. Dad likes him better than all of us. Plus, we see how you treat my mom. Jacob was really messed up, y'all. I see how you treat my mom, and now I see how you treating him. So I can't get back at you, Dad, but I can get at him. Can't stand him. Bible got the best stories, don't it? Amen. Yes. Now. This boy, who happens to be dad's favorite, got the nerve to be having these dreams. One of his dreams, to gather up all the bundle of sheaves from the harvest, and everybody else's bundle bows down to Joseph's bundle. Mm -hmm. right. Oh, that's a problem. What you trying to say? You're already dad's favorite. Now you're saying we're going to bow down to Come on, somebody. Y'all do it with me. There are some things that don't have words. It's just an expression. Y'all know what it is. Come on, come on, do it. Yes, yes, yes. And we've been like that with God. Anybody ever felt like that about that God? Yes, yes, amen. So that's where his brothers were. Yes. Check out this second time. Second time this dream. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his fathers and his brothers. And then his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Are you saying your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Now look, boy, you already my favorite. Now what are you trying to do? What you trying to say? That's one of the popular phrases these days. What you trying to say? Verse 11. And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel, again, Jacob. Every time you see Israel, it means Jacob. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Here I am, Dad. I'll do it. I'm going. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flock. See, because I know I can send you because you're going to tell me. <laughs> 
and bring back word to me. So he sent him out to the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now that's all Jacob knows. You and I know what happened after that. But Jacob don't know that. So in order for us to get the impact of how it affected Jacob, you have to skip all of the other verses and go straight to verse 32. Because all Jacob knows is, I sent you out to go check out, check on your brothers. And then, and they brought it to their father. They brought the tunic to their father. We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces because they brought back this tunic and it was all tore up and they had blood all over it. That's all Jacob know. Got a block out of your mind and you know what really happened. Jacob don't know. All he knows is, I sent you out to go check out your brothers. Your brothers come back with the, your tunic and it's all bloodied up and torn up. Verse 34, then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth, sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his sons many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Then you have to leap 13 years. All he knows is my son is dead, it's over. He don't know nothing about what we know. We know about the, he's, he's, a caravan took him into Egypt and ended up in Potiphar's house. And we know all about that. Jacob don't know nothing about all that. All he knows is my son is dead. And now 13 years go by. And now a famine hits the land. So I send my sons to Egypt. It's great when you look at it from Jacob's point of view because that's what the scripture said. This is Jacob's history. Anybody identify with Jacob? Here's what I mean. The theme, because this is a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer. Hopes, dreams, expectations. Came through my girl. And when your brother was born after that, I lost my girl in childbirth to your younger brother, Benjamin. So all I got left of Rachel, the girl that I love, is Benjamin. Because as far as I know, Joseph's dead. I want to now settle so you can really understand the depth of what he was going through. When Benjamin was born, his mom as she was dying said, son of my sorrow. Jacob changed his name to son of my right hand. For many of us, you've had that experience. What it took to bring forth this new life cost you something in some way dear. Yes. So you keep referring to that moment. The yes. moment of your divorce. The moment of your bankruptcy. The yes. moment of your foreclosure. The moment of the breaking up of your family. Yes. You called it son of my sorrow. Yes. Every time you look at this child. In that moment. 
you're still calling it son of my sorrow. But Jacob said, no, it's not son of my sorrow. I don't want to look at Benjamin every time I look at you. It reminds me of your mother died. I'm going to call you son of my right hand. That out of this came something of strength to me. Yes, amen. Yes, that's good. That's good. So as you're looking back over your life, there's certain neighborhoods, you, you, you drive into the neighborhood and you remember how hard it was for you and your family when y'all used to live there. And your heart still aches when you drive in that region or that part of the city because you still see it as son of my sorrow. But can I encourage you today to say, Lord, I rename it. That time in my life when everything went horribly wrong. I choose to rename it son of my right hand. You were getting, you, you, didn't, you allowed it, but you have now turned it into something that's a strength to me. So, famine comes into the land. Jacob sends his sons to Egypt. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers. So he said, lest some calamity befall him. Like, I ain't losing Benjamin. Because this is all I got left. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Again, sticking to Jacob's point of view. You got to go to chapter 42, verse 29. And then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan. Although they were returning back from Egypt and told him all that had happened to them. And this is the first time that Jacob starts to hear some of what's going on. And they said, the man who is Lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, we're honest. Now, those of y'all who know the deal, the real deal. But here they are telling their dad, the same dad who they sat there and watched their dad grieving. And you know what you did. And for 13 years, you ain't said nothing. You got the nerve to tell this man, we're honest. So they're telling their dad, we told the guy we were honest and we're not spies. We're 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no more. That's what they told the guy. They didn't know the person that they were talking to was the one who was supposed to be no more. We're 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is dead and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. So this is what they're telling their dad, what they said to this guy who gave them trouble. Then the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your household and get out of here. Modern day version of be gone. Verse 34. And bring your youngest brother to me. In other words, when you come back, bring your youngest brother to me. So I shall know that you are not spies. But you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you 
and you may trade in the land. So he's saying, okay, I'll let you go. They're telling their dad. The guy said, dad, that if we come back, we gotta, we have to leave one brother there and we gotta bring Benjamin back with us when we come back. Jacob's, and then they open up their bags, empty their sacks, that surprisingly to the man's, each man, they still had their money in their sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were, they were afraid. In other words, oh my God, I sent y'all there to go buy some food. Y'all come back with food and the money still in your bag. <laughs> Jacob said, y'all trying to kill me. But he said, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more, because that's who they had to leave there. And now you want to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. <laughs> Anybody feel like Jacob? I done lost Rachel. I done lost Joseph. I sent y'all to go get some food and now you done lost Simeon. And you telling me this guy is saying I gotta release Benjamin. Y'all trying to kill me. Then Reuben. Reuben was hidden in means the Lord has looked on my affliction. The reason why he was named there was that's what his mom Leah named him. Because Leah really loved Jacob and she was always hurt that her husband would not return her love and affection. So when she gave birth to Reuben, she said, the Lord has heard, has looked on my affliction. Reuben says, speaks up and says, Father, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you and put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. So Reuben's answer was, okay, since I'm already used to affliction and things going wrong, I'll make a deal. You can kill my two sons if I go back and learn. Reuben, that ain't gonna make nothing no better. So you can't send the thing that's most dearest to you in a spirit of affliction and hurt. You don't respond to God out of my hurt. Making deals with God. Lord, I'll obey you if you fix this first. If you fix that first, then I'll submit. That, that's not how you release Benjamin. The thing that's most dear to you. You don't tell God all about the hurt and all about the pain. In order to get God to move. How many of you found that out? I done cried out to God long about, oh, Lord, this is going on, this is going on. It's like the Holy Spirit just... It's not that he doesn't care. It's like, I'm trying to move you in a different place. Now I'm going to show you the different place that he was trying to get him to. Jacob said, but he said, my son shall not go down with you for his brothers. Uh, for his brothers is dead and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him, that's still what we're talking, along the way in which you go, then you bring down gray hair with sorrow to the grave. 
Now the famine was severe, so they did nothing for a while. They're like, I can't send Benjamin with Reuben. That ain't gonna work. Famine comes up again. We gotta go back. Eventually, I'm gonna have to give up the thing that is most dear to me. So God orchestrated situation where I've got to eventually release what's most important to me. Wow, And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had bought from Egypt that their father said to him, go back, buy a little food. This time, Judah. Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. Do you know what Judah means? Judah means praise. I've got to release what's most dear to me. I gotta release it with praise. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. I can't do it out of a heart of affliction, of being the victim, of being scared that God gonna not come through. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it with praise. Come on, right yes, now where yes. you are, say God. I give you what's most dear to me. And I praise you for the opportunity to give you what's most dear to me. Yes, Lord. This is the son of my strength, God. You even gave me enough revelation to change his name from sorrow to strength. But now you're telling me to give that up? Lord, you don't understand. My job is most dear to me. God, my ministry is most dear to me. God, the calling that you have on my life is most dear to me. He's saying, give it up with praise. And Israel said, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man <laughs> that you even had another brother? Why did y'all even tell him that? <laughs> Verse 7, but they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words. Could we possibly have known that he was saying, Bring your brother down. Then Judah prayed, said to Israel, Send the lad, the son of your right hand, with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. See what see, see what see what see what Judah said. Reuben said, If it don't work, then you can kill two of my sons, and and that'll make we'll be even. Judah said, praise said, we will arise and go, that 
we may live and not die. Both we and you and also our little ones. Ain't nobody dying today. See, that's what praise says. Yes. Amen. While ain't nothing going right, Lord, I praise you. I bless you. What we did, because we got started this morning, you are good. Come on, say it again. Lord, you're good. You know that don't make no sense to be saying, Lord, you're good while I'm broke. While sickness is in my body, while my family is towed up, while my dreams are shattered. But Judah says, send what's most dear to me with praise, because we're going to live. Look at somebody say, because we're going to live. Oh, bless the Lord. He said, I myself will be surety for him. You want the assurance that this is going to work out? Praise itself says, I'm the assurance. You know when you're gonna make a if you wanna make a loan at the bank, they always ask you to put up some surety, some collateral, some some proof that it can be paid back. Do you hear what they're saying? Praise is the proof that it's gonna come to it's gonna be paid back. Do you hear it today? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I myself will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. And how many of you know, me and my wife made this covenant with the Lord. We said, God, if we fail, we're going to fail because we was trying to do it your way. And how many of you know before you can get that out, the Holy Spirit's already saying, well, you ain't going to fail. That's right. But I'd rather go out trying to do it his way yes, than trying to do it my way. That's my way right. was the Reuben way. Yes. Hi, Lord. That's the Lord our God. Amen. I'm wrapping up. It says, verse 10, for if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned this second time. Again. And our father said to him, if it be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land. Since I'm about to give up the best, then let's just let's just go all out. Take the best of the fruits of the land in your vessels and carry it down to that man. A little bomb, little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hand. Take back what you came back here with and now take some more. That is returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise. Go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your brother and Benjamin. If I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. So the man, so the men took the present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt. Again, that's all Jacob knows. I released Benjamin, I sent an offering, I gave up everything. Now comes the fun part. Got to go all the way to chapter 45, verse 25. Then they went out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they come back and they tell their dad this. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. 
Do you understand that that wasn't even in Jacob's mind? <laughs> All I wanted was to get Simeon back. And I wanted to make sure that I got Benjamin back. But when I gave up everything, not only did I get back, That that thing that it's used good. to dream. Yes. That's good. And it was bigger than any of us could imagine. Yes. Oh, Even I got insulted by the bigness of the dream. Yes. But I found out that when I gave it all up in praise, yes. Yes. that my Joseph, yes. Yes. that I forgot That's about, That's good. I ain't thought about it in 13 years. Y'all come back telling me that Joseph is still alive. Somebody needed to hear that today. Back when you were a kid, you used to have big dreams, and somebody told you, we can't afford that. We ain't got no money to pay for you to go to school for this or that. Ain't none of that. You dreaming too big. That's all just a fantasy. Some of you laid out your life, and you actually made the effort to go forth in ministry, start a business, and it all fell apart. Here's the part of the reason why it all got messed up, because when you go back to the original part of the story, Jacob put his coat and tunic on the dream. Here's what that means. God gives us a dream and we clothe it the way we think. Yes, it should good. look the way it should feel. So we structure the church or the ministry or the business and the ideas all according to what we think and we envision how it's going to come to pass. Yes, that's so good. God let that thing come back toe up and bloody. That's right. That's and good. took the dream away. Because what you and I don't know is while we're still there grieving because the dreamer was taken away, now you get into the rest of the story. God's working on the dream in Egypt. It's going through the test of integrity. The dream is going through the test of commitment. Yes, yes. The dream is going through the tests that are bringing humility because the dream used to brag and boast. But now the dream is just whatever. God, whatever, whatever you want. Yes. Yes. That's so good. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's so good. Thank you. I think I say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm glad to know my Joseph yes. is still alive. Yes. And it didn't need my coat on it. It didn't need my ideas. Somebody need to hear that. It didn't need my ideas. When we came here to Harrisburg, we thought we was going to do the same things we did in St. Louis. And we're like, in a couple of years, we're going to have a thousand members. And we're going to be able to just go out and minister into the community. And we came here, we set up, we was in Uptown, at first in a building on Uptown. And God just blew on it. A lot of it happened the same way, through betrayal and, and through people abandoning us. But it was the same thing. Chris and Carol, you put your coat on it. What you thought fruitful life was going to be. And through betrayal, I let them bring it back to you, toe up and bloody. And just like 
with Jacob for the next 13 years. My wife and I and our family working for the state, raising our kids. We actually met in this building. We actually had an office in this building for nine years. Yep. We met in this room, in the boardroom upstairs, and finally we got our own space. Yeah, we actually met. Nobody in Harrisburg knew nothing about us. Thirteen years. Back home, my mom and dad's house burned down. When we were released and sent forth through the laying on of hands from the elders and the prophets, the presbytery of our home church, the young man who stepped in and took my place as the associate pastor passed away. Our bishop and overseer had a heart attack. My younger brother had a heart attack. My mother had a stroke. One of the founding elders in the church passed away. Then another elder's wife, his wife, passed away. Ministry began to decline. They went all the way down to, to 150 people. That's quite a drop. That's quite a drop when you used to have a thousand. At home, everything going crazy. Here, everything going crazy. Let me tell you about. Oh yeah, we lost our home. Not only did we have to move out of the building in uptown, then a year after that, we lost our home. Foreclosure. I said, Pastor, you're telling everything. Yeah, because I want you to understand that what we're all going through, this is part of it. That's right. That's right. That's good. Amen. That's good. Jacob was done. He didn't have no idea this was going to happen. So when those brothers came back and said, Joseph is still alive, that's why his word says, but when they told him all these words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent carrying him, carrying him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Then Israel, who is the same thing as, as Jacob, said, it's enough. Y'all don't have to tell me no more. <laughs> you don't have to tell me no more. The last thing I expected was to hear that God, some of you have been here, your hand. It's still on me. That's right. Yes. Man. Somebody told you you done messed up so bad that it will never happen. But I want you to understand Joseph is still alive. The dreamer is still alive. It don't have your coat on it anymore. It may not look as beautiful and all of that as you expected. God just took our dream and shattered it to pieces and then who knew? Then God directed us and said, here's what I want you to do. That's right. Here's how I want My you to God. do it. My God. He made us go and get certified as life coaches. Life <laughs> coaches, what that got to do with anything? As soon as we got certified, we were able to get into Pennsylvania career lane, where we were given an opportunity to minister to people in their faces, one-on-one, -on -one, in a government facility. That's right. Wow. We watched as we simply encouraged people that you were born to do more than just work, pay bills, and die as they sat there in a government office with tears streaming down their faces because some undercover pastors, I mean life coaches, had come. <laughs> to get 
give them a word of the Lord without saying amen, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, but just simply giving them here is what God has for your life. So it's where we fall. Come on, bless the Lord. Where we fall, the color colors that we had, saw, we saw ourselves being in a building with people all coming to our building. But what God had was, get out of that coat. Get out of that facility. I'm taking you out of here and taking you to where the people are. And from there, then he opened up the opportunity for us to go into a women's shelter. Women's shelter. The homeless. God had us in a position to be able to speak to and coach women one-on-one. And then the director put us in a position to begin to train the entire staff for two years. And then this year, we were able to certify almost the entire staff to make them life coaches. What? Then another brother who has a many, who has an outreach here that deals with uh, ex-offenders and re-entry into society. Now he's called us because he wants us to come and train his staff in how to walk one-on-one alongside of men and women who are coming out of prison. I would say this is way bigger than the coat that Chris and Carol had planned for fruitful life. So what am I saying to you? Let the Holy Spirit change the picture that you have about ministry. Some of you resisted as our daughter here told you to say yes to the Lord because you kept saying, I don't want to be in no church. I don't want to be no pastor. I don't want to stand behind no pulpit. He don't want you there either. Here's a pastor got the nerve to stand up here and tell you God don't want you behind this either. Right there on your job. That's right. Starting actually in your own household. Come on now. In your own family. That's right. Oh yes. Oh yes. I think I'll close with this one. On my job that I didn't want to be on. Because I didn't come to Harrisburg to wait work for the state. I came to be God's man of faith and power that would raise up a mighty people in the house of God. God said, Department of Education, working for the state. I wasn't there very long and I overheard a conversation. Someone on the phone in the cubicles. Some of y'all, you know how that is. The office has got all the cubicles and you can overhear people's conversations sometimes. And she was talking about a friend who was in the hospital who was on a respirator. And he only had three days to live and they were gonna pull the plug if he didn't regain consciousness. And I'm sitting there in the cubicle and I'm hearing this. And I'm all, oh God, why are we here? And I'm spirit, I didn't come here. Be working on You gotta understand, we have been in full-time ministry, full-time ministry for 14 years. Full-time. Oh my God. So to come here and find myself back in, I ain't got nothing against working, because actually I worked far more in full-time ministry 
and the rags. That's right. Actually, That's right. working for the state was easy. That's right. Forty hours and weekends off? That's right. That don't exist in full-time ministry. That's right. You're on call 24-7, 365. And even when you're supposed to be off, you are. 911, emergency. Never stops. So I'm overhearing this conversation. And the Holy Spirit says, I know you're not going to let that man die. I knew immediately what he meant. Go over there, find out what's going on. So I went over. Sorry, I overheard your conversation. I heard you talking about someone who's in the hospital uh, getting ready to die. Do you mind if me and my wife come over to the hospital after work and pray? And so she called the wife of this gentleman. His name was Chuck. She called Chuck's wife to find out if it was okay if these people, not pastors, because I wasn't Pastor Chris at the Department of Education. <laughs> I just have a co-worker that wants to come over to the hospital and pray for Chuck. Come on now. This is good. This is good. And Chuck's wife said, okay. So I called my wife who was working for the Department of Labor and Industry at the time said, I'm picking you up. We're going to go to the hospital. It was over here, in fact. Osteopathic. We go over after work. And the co-worker who I talked to, she's there too. And they only let two people go back at a time. I wanted to go back with me and my wife, but my co-worker who was closer to the gentleman, she wanted to go back there too. So I went back into the ER room <laughs> with my co-worker. Now it's really getting weird. Because co-worker ain't never seen me pray, don't even know nothing about me like that. I ain't even been on the job that long. <laughs> Going back, Chuck is laid out. This is, this machine's breathing for him. Chuck is, as far as I can see, is really gone. And I don't know how to be deep and religious. How many of you have already found that out about me? Right. <laughs> so I just, I didn't even touch him. I just put my hand out over him. And I said, Lord, I don't even know if Chuck knows you or not. But I ask you to give him another chance. Yes. Just give him another chance. Then the Lord says, sing over him. But God, my co-workers. <laughs> she don't know nothing about worship or singing. I would like to say I did it obediently and willingly. <laughs> so I just began to sing. I worship you, Almighty God. I mean, you know that song. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. O Prince of Peace. That is what I. I worship you, 
It didn't matter who was there because the reality, the Holy Spirit just moved yes, upon me. Right. And then I can, then I sung it over again. There is none like you. Then it wasn't about me. Right. And it wasn't about being embarrassed because right. my co-workers here. Oh, it was all you, because God. there is none like you. No flashing lights, no thunder roll. <laughs> Just said, Amen. Walked out the room. Next day at work, same co worker comes running over to my desk around 10, 10 o'clock, something like that. Chris, Chris, Chuck is awake. <laughs> Not only is he awake, he's out to bed. He's sitting in a chair and he's eating. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about 21st century body of Christ ministry. Out of these walls, I didn't have to call my bishop in St. Louis and ask, do I have permission to go pray for children? The Holy Spirit said, I know you're not going to let that man die. Amen. Amen. That's why everybody wants to argue and fight about who's in the White House and who's in the governor's mansion and who's in the mayor's office and who's on the, on the city board and who's on the school board. You know what, y'all? Our responsibility is kingdom work. The problem ain't law enforcement. And believe me, I understand, because I come from one of the absolute most racist, segregated cities in the United States, starting with law enforcement. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the call that is upon us, I'm telling you, marching on the mayor's office, protesting the police, ain't nothing gonna change. But if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, pray, what do you say? Seek my face. I'm gonna say the rest of it. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Will forgive their sin and heal their land. Come on, praise God if you believe that today. Bless you, Lord God. So, Lord, we hear you today. We hear you today. We release our Benjamin. The thing that's most dear to us. It hurt us, Lord God, when we lost our Joseph and the dream that we had, the vision that we had. But you allowed it to be lost so that you could work on it away from us. Yes, So that when you gave it back to us, we wouldn't be locked up in a religious order and a world system and a political mess that would keep your church from operating and functioning the way you want us to. 
So each and every one of us, we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, right there. Yes, Lord. You yes, know what that Lord. yes means. I can't yes. tell you what that means. Yes. But what the Holy Spirit brings to your heart and mind, yes. it may be a relationship. Hallelujah. It may be even your ministry. Maybe the thing you feel that you're called to. Yes. But would you give it up to the Lord today? Yes. Lord, I give up the picture that I had yes. about how you were going to use me. Yes, yes. yes Lord. This is a big one, y'all. I surrender the image that I had, the way I thought you would do it. And I say, yes, Lord. Have your own way. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you permission to take over. 